When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome along to the worst idea of all time, Season 5, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel 6. I'm Guy Montgomery, I'm with Tim Bat, not physically, but in spirit, as we have both just watched the 1988 released French softcore erotica film, Emmanuel 6. We are no longer in the company of Sylvia Christel, of course, there's a new Emmanuel, there's a new director at the helm, there's a whole new... Whole new, a whole, a whole new feeling to this movie. Um, a whole new world. How are you, Tim? Uh, brand new, exciting point of view. No one to tell us where to go. Oh, I've forgotten the rest of the words. Or today. say we're uh, only dreaming. I'm good, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I quite like this movie. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Tim. This is what I imagined. This yeah, movie same. is what I'd imagined when we embarked on this journey. This is yeah. the genre of skin flick to which yeah. I was looking forward, to which I remember growing my first pubic hair. This is the sort of um, early 2000s, 12.30 a.m. on a Friday night, uh, pornographic material I remember Coming of age to coming, spelt C-O-M-I-N-G. Nothing untoward about it. Growing up. I'll tell you, you know, I wasn't I the only, it so much. I, I wasn't the only thing growing up back then, Tim. What else was growing up? Well, if I watch a flick like this, so too was my... Oh, God. What? You don't even know what I'm going to say. What are you going to say? My dogs, my sisters, everyone around me. We were all growing. It was a heady okay. time. Heady. Um, so <laughs> I put my enjoyment of this film down almost solely to Professor Simon. How fucking good was that bald-headed man who delivered every line with zero facial expression, but 200% vocal expression? I think it's unfair to say he had no facial expression. I thought he was putting a little stank on everything he said. And before we get into the movie, I just want to ask, are, we, are you and I cool, bro? Yeah, we're cool. Okay. 
This is going to get really long in the tooth, this season of 52 softcore pornos, if every time we open you insist on relating it to the growth of your penis. I not once mentioned that. It's disgusting what you've done. Yeah, yeah, I'm the bad guy. As always. The clue's in the name. Your guy. You're the bad guy. What about the good guy? Yeah, that's true. You're that too. Um, Professor Simon, man. Let's get into it. He's a hero. This dude rules. Yeah, he was, um, I mean, before we even get to him, because he was introduced very early, and immediately, as soon as he was on screen, I was like, this is going to be a fun watch. Also, as soon as uh, the movie was, like, demonstrably very poorly overdubbed in English, I was relieved. I couldn't have stomached another hour and 20 minutes of sort of piecing together a story in a a language I don't understand. Um, Well, that, that kind of confuses me, because, like, I guess you were definitely right, but... (laughs) <laughs> a lot of it really matched up perfectly. I know. With the movement of their mouth. Because I was looking at some of it and it was... Maybe, maybe some of the characters did speak in English. I think they did. I think I think that the production of this film was a real challenge. I love any any skin flick that starts with um, someone slowly and erotically putting their clothes on <laughs> has immediately got me on the hook. So rarely do we see people dressing before they then undress. Usually they're yeah, either a- already in a state of undress or clothed. So rarely do we see, you know, it's like watching someone climb the mountain and then really feeling the relief and uh, jubilation as they come back down. It is like that, Guy. Seeing someone put their clothes on is is like watching someone climb a mountain. <laughs> okay, you little fuck. <laughs> um, Natalie Yuhu? Is is the uh, titular Emmanuel this time? And I thought she put in a great performance. Yeah, I thought she. I thought she was um, tonally consistent. I thought that the source material that she was working from was pretty confusing. Um, I guess <laughs> we can talk about the professor now because it does help establish what the story of the film is. But essentially, the movie kicks off with uh, uh, Emmanuel suffering from amnesia as she travels to this sort of country estate of this uh, very animated, bald professor who wants to try and help solve her amnesia and in doing so discover... Like, what what is the purpose of their relationship, Professor to Emmanuel? Is he purely there to solve her amnesia? Is he a horny professor who's trying to sort of um, surreptitiously take sex anecdotes from Emmanuel? This is what I love about it. He's not that horny. And he plays such a crucial role in the film, and he's so important, particularly to the start of it. And he's like, he looks, he looks like Harry from Sex in the City. Yeah, like a lot, I think. He looks like Runkle. He's I and I. Do, he's just. Oh, you go. His, his whole like. His whole thing is that Emmanuel has admit, like this is beautiful storytelling. They've had to change the actor, like in the Bond franchise. I've mentioned this before. But in Emmanuel, they're like, we better explain this to the audience because they're going to want to know what happened. (laughs) So there's all these pseudo-poetic lines about Emmanuel being a a chameleon uh, delivered by Professor Simon. And Simon is there to try and draw the past from Emmanuel, who is now embodied by a slightly different physical form about what has happened leading up to this point. And so the whole film is a collection of 
flashbacks um, that we get to explain what has happened in a memento kind of style, back and forward, non-linear storytelling style um, about what has brought Emmanuel to the point of coming to the professor. And as as you mentioned, guys, she's got a sort of very specific limited form of amnesia. So she's getting bits and pieces and the professor is pushing her to go further and further because I don't know how he knows this, but he knows that Emmanuel is this like sexual archangel who, who needs to rediscover her sensual form. And he keeps pushing her to do so. And uh, involved with that seems to be like a form of therapy that he conducts on her. And then also just watching people fucking some horse stables because that's gonna like bring you back to yourself. Well, yeah. He know he knows that at her essence is a, a sexually open and explorative woman, and that if he can just unearth her memory of herself, she has this treasure trove of horny and eventually quite troubled memories that uh, she can share. I agree that it's funny. He's not really horny, is he? He is. He is sort of. In, in that respect, he's very much there to serve his role as, I called him the host of Emmanuel. I sort of thought him as the yeah. host of the movie. He sort of grounds yes. us. He says, welcome in, come into my manor. Here's <laughs> my, who I'm going to be my... talking to. Here's what she's dealing with. And we're going to be going to some pretty horny places. Let, let, me, let me give an early, early shining light to do with this. My favorite bit is that his narration, I can't even remember what he was saying in this specific moment, is running over the top of some footage that we're seeing in the horse stables. And the shot lingers on a horse for too long, and it suddenly looks like the horse is talking to us about Emmanuel's <laughs> sexual journey. And I got a real kick out of the idea that, like, an established pornographic franchise would use the vehicle of a telepathic horse to communicate this sort of meta narrative of what's going on. Yeah, I, um, the horse scene was great because the stable boy eventually does reveal that he's actually horny for Emmanuel, but there's a long time of shots of him very close into the horse where I'm like, is he <laughs> wanting her to become aroused? So pretty much the host of Emmanuel. And by the way, this is my favorite way to watch a porno is I love a porno told in flashback by a bald man holding a toy bus, yeah. which is what we get for at least a, a few minutes towards the first third of the film. But to try and jolt Emmanuel's amnesia, he uh, sets up one of his stable boys to, to to show up to Emmanuel's room or like, you know, just run across her walking the grounds outside and go, you got to come with me. And they go, and in the barn, there are two people having sex. And it's like, you like this? Remember yourself. You like this? Don't you know that? Remember fucking Emmanuel? Yeah. You and love she does. fucking. She does like this. Um, But I, yeah, their, their dynamic was great. When Chelsea... Chelsea was sort of drifting in and out while I was watching this uh, film, and I said she sort of was quite in, uh, enamored by, I think, a lot of the production values and just the visual style. And um, as soon as she saw Emmanuel sitting next to that the host of Emmanuel, she would mm. she said, um, "Oh, this is a classic, him and her porn dynamic." And I said, "You know what? Based on the evidence of this franchise so far, I can guarantee you that guy is not getting." anything he's not getting any pussy this whole movie like he is very much and he didn't right i didn't tune absolute, out for a bit absolutely not he was literally just there to service the story i don't believe in phantasms i'm just a young woman with a case of amnesia who's, who's not even, even sure even, not if even she sure wants if she to wants remem to remember her identity <laughs> i also wrote down that quote um it's just he like also that was Emmanuel talking to the professor and the professor also like 
He seems to be trying to eyeball the camera, but like he's got a cross-eyed or something. He he sort of at the end of his sentences, it's almost a crutch of his acting technique. He does look slightly to the left or right of camera and sort of like move all the body parts of his face that he can. So like his sentences have more meaning or emphasis at the end because it'll sort of go and they finish like this and everything's just got a bit more a zhuzh on it at the end. It's like it was it was so right his word. performance was really hammy and the accent that was overdubbed was somewhat British and it just lent mm. this really relaxed comical tone that meant it didn't feel like the movie was taking itself too seriously and then I didn't have to take it too seriously like this was a bit of a romp the whole way through not really erotic like I'll I'll dip into a quick boner patrol nothing over here not even a twitch Mm. you I I, I had a stirring um but no evidence of an actual boner um what bit was it Oh, I think it was when they were kind of... I think they were trying to, like, find a woman for Emmanuel, the professor was, and someone was at the house, and he was like, I must see this woman first. So she's like, all right, I guess I'll have sex with her first in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that bit? So it just lays her out on the desk. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's obviously there are moments of mild eroticism, but... um. It just like the whole movie was really fun, I thought, until the very end when they'd sort of set up this um, story, I guess, that they wanted to resolve. <laughs> and when they decided that they had to resolve the they'd story. They'd set up a, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for here? They'd set up a kind of a, well, a story, I guess. Yeah, some kind of plot. Um <laughs> It's like I just the whole movie sort of read as less erotic to me than previous installments, and more it was just like uh, semi nude and yeah. confusing. But it was a cool, silly adventure because <coughs> okay, except and we're not going to like dwell on this too much because it's a bummer, <coughs> and there's no point in um, scrutinizing this film unduly. But there's like uh, quite a bit of the third act for some reason rests on like essentially human trafficking going on with yeah. this woman in India, um, which is weird and uh, doesn't really need to be there. But up until that, it's just like, it's all of these women who are explained to be models and kind of friends, I guess, who are in their mid-twenties such... rocking around India. And No, no, they're, like... I, they're not in India. They were in um, Venezuela. Why do they keep saying Indians then? And we're an Indian country, and we've got to look out for the Indians because they're quiet. Because it's a, uh, a an American film from 1988, which means that anyone oh, so they're who's they're talking not about the indigenous from, people in Venezuela. Yeah, because they keep talking about God Caracas damn. and the buses in Caracas, and they get on the cruise oh, line true. in Caracas, and like anyway. So here, here's the thing: there is okay. I didn't fully get where this, but kind of came from. But they've got jewels. They've got very expensive jewels. These women. Um, the collection of women, which Emmanuel seems to be a part of. And this is all in flashback. So this is like maybe what happened between Emmanuel 5 and 6, and I, guess. I I also just quickly want to chime in by saying like all of the scenes with the model friends are very much in the wheelhouse of like a 13-year-old boy's fantasy about what happens when women spend time exclusively with other women, which is like they're and always not, taking their tops off and sort yeah. of splashing water at each other or taking but little photos also, on the bus. 
it's got that same 13-year-old's lack of knowledge about what sex is. So <laughs> there's lots of, like, you never see a vagina. There's lots of kind of rubbing and caressing, but nothing else. There's zero penetration of anything that kind of happens. It's just like what a 13-year-old kind of suspects yeah. they're like, sex they're, might they're, involve. They're building up to the idea that sex exists <laughs> through, like, the, yeah, the knowledge that women have bodies. They don't know the parts. There's- they just know that they have physical, you know... Uh, they got boobs. Yeah. There's boobs, so we've got to see the boobs. <coughs> There's a guy who has been hired by an insurance company to safeguard the jewels. So he's like among the women in quite a friendly capacity. Uh, and he has sex with Emmanuel, right? Yeah, they. he's sort of, they are a bit of a Ross and it's Rachel, later. will they or won't they? And then yeah, eventually, yeah. just by hanging around and being a good guy, really, Emmanuel he throws a, him a bone. Yeah, he, he kind of is a... Um, a, a a uh, guardian of these women. Um, but it's just... Like, <laughs> it's so funny. It's been hired by the insurance company to look after the jewels, which are being transported via these women for some reason. Um, they then get intercepted by the captain? I think he's the of second the officer. Ship. They're on this... They're travelling on this ship, this cruise ship, to go somewhere. Yeah. And one of the more sort of erotic scenes is uh, while they're on the ship, there's this very villainous second officer who is the... The, the the primary antagonist, I guess. And he, both he and the insurance guy have sort of outlined to Emmanuel that they're horny. And she's like, I don't want to have sex. The insurance sex. guy doesn't, he doesn't telegraph it that He does. He comes in, he, he delivers a bottle of bubbles and two glasses to her room. He's in a, he's like there to protect the jewels. That is a, yeah. there's a declaration of horn. But anyway, she waves them both off and she's like, no, no, I want to have real bestial sex and then she climbs down into the coal shuffling area of the ship where these two smoking hot shirtless guys are just sort of you know very shoveling coal glistening in sweat and shoveling coal and she just there's nothing better i remember back when i used to shovel coal on a cruise liner when one of the beautiful um passengers of the of the ship would just come down to the coal shoveling station and just sort of eyeball one of you for a a quick route in the middle of a shift yeah yeah and it is I, that scene was fucking cool. Like it looked like a Levi's commercial. It did. It was just these or Calvin Klein, hot, I thought, but it had real fucking hot, jeans commercial vibes. Real yummy, sweaty dudes shoveling coal with abs are glistening. And I'm talking eight pack. Get out of here with the six eight pack nonsense. Abs are glistening. Seven coals are shoveling. Six testicles. Yeah, that's probably right, actually, because the villainous second mate comes in just what... So Five fingers and four toes hot, three people are part of the sexual tryst, and two people coming in, uh, one really horny scene. Thank you. Nice one. Um, Emmanuel sort of makes her selection out of the two guys is like, I'm going (laughs) to... I was going to say fuck this guy, but that really doesn't happen. They kind of like rub each other's bodies for a really long time. And they don't even kiss. It's right inside of the 13-year-old boy's fantasy. It's like all of the sex scenes exist in this like, I don't know what happens then, you know, like the sex stuff. (laughs) It's like a 13-year-old director with like a whole production (laughs) staff is desperately trying to fill in the blanks of what he doesn't know about sex. It's like, yeah, you just like take... 
take your top off and then you, you rub each other heaps, right? So there's there's lots of that. And then it's kind of like going into a direction where it looks like Emmanuel is going to give this guy a blowjob, but sort of that never happens either. But it, while there's all this kind of sensual rubbing of bodies, um, the, the dudes, the other dudes, so that the other coal shoveler and the villainous... Um, second officer who's who's like hidden behind a, a steel pipe somewhere they're just looking on yeah like uh but one of like, like families at it's, the zoo it's an interesting dynamic because one of the one of the the guys who shovels coal he's very much there with permission and it's like it's sort of yeah it's part of the charm but the second officer yeah. this guy's just like stewing he's just furiously he's, watching these these guys get theirs and he becomes the cool so thing incensed about that guy. <laughs> he loudly he basically oh, goes go. into Emmanuel's room to like sexually attack her and then out of a chest that's in the um in her in her quarters in Emmanuel's quarters um comes this uh topless woman who grabs the bottle of champagne and just smashes the second officer over the head and lays yeah. him out cold. Who previously had only cool. been introduced to us, the audience, because when Emmanuel would leave her room, the woman who lives in the trunk would leave the trunk to take pieces of fruit back to her trunk. If all of this sounds confusing, you've got to bear in mind, this entire movie is told by two unreliable narrators. One of them, the host of the film, who wasn't there for any of the meat of the story. And secondly... Emmanuel, who is recovering from amnesia. Like, the way that they sort of overlay the stories and who's telling them is it's so delightfully chaotic that you can immediately take your hand off the wheel and say, I don't need to put the pieces together. I can just enjoy the performance and the decisions. And I've got here in the trivia section of IMDb, Tim, that this was... um. This production was mired in, in challenges. This is the third... the three bits of trivia. And this third one is... um. It provides a lot more information than I realize. This is the director credited with the disastrous production of Emmanuel Six is Bruno Zinconi, a former editor unprepared for a South American shoot and with an inexperienced actress as his lead. Gene Rowland told Peter Blumenstock in the pages of Video Watchdog and Virgins and Vampires that he stepped in, which is obviously some sort of uh, book that reminisces about the, the Emmanuel productions, uh, that he stepped in to complete the film when Zinconi couldn't go back and finish it because he had another job to go to. With the film only partially completed and the investors understandably angry and worried, Roland stepped in with little to no prep and finished the film. Roland recalled to Blumenstock that one of his main contributions to Emmanuel Six was coming up with the idea of Emmanuel having lost her memory. An admittedly absurd touch that at the very least recalls some of Roland's past glories. So, like, even the amnesia storyline, the reason it feels so haphazard is because it was introduced halfway into the production, even though by that the time you watch the movie, astounding. it is very much the defining feature of the narrative. I reckon it was a great choice. I applaud it. I think it was a cool <laughs> thing to Can do. Can I tell you, I haven't really seen a lot of this on IMDb pages. I don't spend that much time on IMDb, but at the bottom of that piece of trivia, instead of X number of people found this interesting, it's just the question... Is this interesting? <laughs> <laughs> is this interesting? I think it is. I think it definitely is for a guy named Tim Bat and a guy named Guy Montgomery. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. Um, another b- favorite bit of mine of this flick. This is shining light number two. We're in uncharted waters now for the Emmanuel series. The professor hires, because the science bit isn't working, some, I'm going to call them witches, to jog Emmanuel's memory. And this leads to a scene with some real synthy jazz playing and a naked woman just doing a um, performative dance in the desert. And I don't even think Emmanuel is there to watch it. But somehow this combined with uh, snakes being around, is going to bring her memory back because uh, humans' relationship with reptiles is one of, according to the Emmanuel series, sort of sexual intrigue and repulsion jointly. This really cool guy who shows up very late in the film and he's wearing this blue and white vertical striped shirt, predominantly blue with thin white stripes and glasses, and he's got a great energy and he sort of looks... He's explaining the the reason for introducing the the witches and the reptiles, and he says, uh, "Not unlike who's the guy from um, CSI Miami who keeps taking his sunglasses off." Oh yeah, he's got. I don't know he's got the same is. energy as that guy, where he's like, um, "Yeah, every line is some beautiful says, pun." Repti- reptiles fascinate human beings, and then he takes his glasses off and says, "In a strange way," and you think. <laughs> I mean, the delivery of the line alone is worth the price of admission. I can't wait to see what strange ways these reptiles fascinate these humans. And he's not wrong. This witch performs a dance with a python, and it makes Emmanuel so horny and comfortable and confident within herself, it cures her amnesia. And the only way to close this film out is with her masturbating, fully clothed in an empty dirt field at sunset. That's cool. I reckon that's a cool ending. I guess it's like... 
this is the thing about art. Sometimes when you are driven to make such outrageous decisions because of constrictions that have been put on you, like, for example, the director of your film having to bail uh, midway through and you, you suddenly have to make some decisions, some beautiful chaos can come out of that. And I think this whole thing of uh, Emmanuel having selective amnesia, it's a fun vehicle to be able to do whatever you want. Ooh. Flashbacks flash forwards to the present crazy characters pseudoscience witchcraft snakes it's all part of the thrust of trying to get this woman back to her sexual self it was it was it is really fun i mean this was like if this if this marks the sort of uh the beginning of the end of quality control in the emmanuel franchise and just like this is the first slippery step towards a mess of like the movies I imagine we'd be watching. I'm calling me excited because I've said it before I say it again. A porno that starts with someone getting dressed and is immediately then thrown over to a narrator who is just this really animated caricature of a bald man in a big old house <laughs> trying to remember someone else's story. That's how I want to consume my pornos. Hey, what does Chelsea make of this season, Guy? What does your partner think of you watching a softcore porno with your boy, Tim, every uh, week? I don't know. For a podcast? I could, I could see if she wants to come in and answer that question herself. I mean, like, we haven't really discussed it. It's just, this whole season, it's just sort of crept up and then now it's, it's happening. Like, I think um, she was sort of doing... Uh, menial jobs around the house for context everyone this is being recorded inside of Auckland's second lockdown so this is the first episode that's uh i i certainly feel uh like i'm in a different mental space because we're back in the house and so she was like, i am massively agitated which i think you can uh you, you you're grabbing a bit of that yeah i'm i'm finding life incredibly difficult as well our hearts go out to everyone who is doing the same thing. Who's been thing. doing this the whole time. Yeah. Um, but I think she quite, like, at least, she really enjoyed getting to dip in and out of Emmanuel 6 today. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the obvious uh, gripes aside about the, you know, the genre, or like, not the genre of film, but just the time that the film was released. But um, she enjoyed dipping in and out, and like, yeah, I think, I don't know. She's kind of. She kept laughing at the idea of what male fantasy is. She's like, "This is yeah. so. It's so funny to see. If she's every male fantasy is a man staying exactly the same as he is, dressed in normal clothes, and then all of these very scantily clad and like light moving women parading themselves yeah. around him, while he just does nothing. Like he does nothing out of the ordinary <laughs> at all, and everyone else is in fancy garb. Um. <laughs> oh shit! She got us, dude. She fucking right. got us. Our fantasy has been <laughs> laid bare. What did you think of the soundtrack of this one? I thought it, it wasn't as consistently brilliant was no, as no, but, some of the prior ones, but moments of shining glory. It was, um, yeah, it was more eclectic, which I loved. Like it was certainly there was some sort of Emmanuel reprise they kept coming back to. But aside from mm. that, uh, I liked like it. Sort of it would follow. It just it was. It was very open-minded. It was like a bit of a jam of a soundtrack. Like it didn't abide yeah. any one overriding theme. There was some heavy 80s synth at points. Like I remember at one moment there was a some sort of uh, sex scene involving the um, 
I mean, it's who the in the movie they called her a, an Indian, but it's the woman who was living in the trunk who I I mm. think it was just a Venezuela, like a an indigenous Venezuelan, but um. There was some sort of sexual fantasy with her, and they were, had this like this pan flute playing. And then the next scene was immediately heavily eighties, and so the segue was this very harsh movement from like sort of an approximation of um, like traditional, traditional Venezuelan pan pipes into like fashion, fashion model, model. <laughs> Those scenes were fun. I kind of, I was mentally drifting in and out, but there was like a fashion show, right, that they were at. Well, sort of. Never like made a big deal of, but um, there were the, there were these mo- these models were present for a lot of the film, and so they sort of had to give them something to do. And it was either um boarding or disembarking a ship, or oh no, but I thought there was a dressed. bit where they were legi- they were legitimately at like an event. Maybe I should try and. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right, Tim. It was difficult to take in the whole movie because it is so haphazard. You do naturally drift in and out. Yeah, and also, like, it's... How did you find the experience of watching this um, not physically together? Because it makes it a lot sadder, for one. Yeah. Like, I'm just just sitting here by myself in my studio watching a softcore French porn. I I knew it was coming all morning. And so, I mean, I agree, but I I made a real effort to be like, I'm not going to let the day be nothing and then spiral into me watching softcore French pornography alone. And so Mm. I had a pretty great morning. And I think within that context, I found it, you know, just like a weird day at the office, just punching in. I knew what was on the cards. That's the problem with um, doing this on Zoom. It does, it, it, it sort of does have a bit of a work aspect to it. Just the the fact that we're doing this on the application Zoom. Yeah. Maybe I made that shit. I'm just like scrolling through the movie. I guess I did make that shit up about the the fashion event. But I was oh maybe it's at the start. No, it's not. I I think I made that up. But there's like quite frequent mentions. Oh no, here it is. I fucking found it. It's de- yeah, they definitely are. They're, so I'm looking at a bit right now where they're backstage. They're doing their makeup. They're doing their hair. There's lots of mirrors with those um, light bulbs around that you do your like makeup on. And it's cross cutting to Emmanuel with her eyes closed. So she's like obviously remembering this. This is one of the flashbacks at the 20 minute mark. What that is being elicited by Professor Simon? Can I ask you what are the connections you draw between the Emmanuel of the first four films? Like, can you tell me about Emmanuel's journey? across the six films we've seen so far, trying to create some sort of overarching narrative or sense of character from what we've seen, the body of evidence we've seen. Well, what a great um, moment to point out the fact that we haven't watched one of them. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, we've... uh, So, at time of recording, and this probably won't be reflected in the releases, but we haven't watched four? Yeah. Is that right? Um. So that's 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 the next uh, the next hill to climb because it was just a little bit hard to find, so I couldn't find it in time. So we continued on. What is the story of Emmanuel? Well, it's about a woman who discovers her own eroticism, I guess. You know, her own enjoyment of life through sex. But then a lot of stuff happens to her, and she meets guys who like crash planes. And have boats. This is uh, you're a just, lot of transportation. She's a fan of transportation and fucking. 
That's what you're seeing. I feel like you're right in that the first few movies were very much concentrated on someone trying to find their own sexuality and like a sexual openness. And then by the time we've got to Emmanuel Six, it's like they've taken away all of that work and they're like, and now this person has amnesia. Like it's there's no there's a there's a lack of connective tissue. It's just got the same name. We are in brave uncharted new waters for the franchise. There was at least I guess in that we haven't seen far, there was at least a continuity of the same actor playing playing Emmanuel in the first three, the great Sylvia Cristel. But now I feel like and again, you know, it's as it for the franchise it's a bit upsetting, but for us it's quite exciting. I feel like we're going to watch some slightly more disconnected and aimless films. Yeah. This this one as well, like, um, sorry, this is a little bit unrelated to what you're saying, but the duration was an hour 15 on what we hit. But you were telling me just before we got um, on the record that apparently there's like a, a, a longer cut. Yeah. So that was the normal release. This is what we watched as the the widely distributed international release but from my limited research there was a a more hardcore hour and 30 minute version and three very erotic scenes have been removed from what we saw what's what do you know about these scenes do we get some penny uh we might get some penny it's not specified in the in the articles that i've got up in front of me but they the words hardcore are used, and that traditionally, I as I understand it, hardcore represents, um, like actual, the the portrayal of actual sex instead of just like the illusion of sex, the illusion to sex cool. happening. Guy, can I um read uh, a quote that's here? Well, it's not even it's not posited as a quote; it's posited as fact. It's just under the review section of the Wikipedia page for Emmanuel Six. For the lexicon of international film, Emmanuel Six was a miserably mounted soft that spread yawning boredom. And that's all it says. Agree to disagree. I guess if you watched it in 1988 and you were invested in the franchise, like this would be like if you were really into Star Wars, say, and then the sixth Star Wars film was like, same character, Luke Skywalker, but instead of him doing anything or having a problem... He's just got amnesia for a whole movie. Like, I can understand the response to people who are invested in the franchise, but as someone watching it in 2020, it uh, it is a, an exciting departure from the staid and sort of uh, rehashed story of a woman discovering her sexuality into a woman battling with amnesia and an excitable bald host. I cannot tell you how... It's a combination of I know this isn't going to happen, but I just desperately want it to happen. I want Professor Simon to stay on the Emmanuel boat with us so badly. Mm. I, I I want to track this woman and this man who is like a. Uh, I mean, I I think this is the second time I'm bringing up a Buffy the Vampire Slayer reference on this series, but he's he's essentially Giles. He's got a sort of guardianship role. Um, for Emmanuel and her, I, I wouldn't say her emotional well-being. I, I, I think that's uh, probably a stretch. For some reason, he's incredibly invested in reawakening her like sexual component of her well, personality. It's like, Emmanuel's reputation precedes her across the globe. Every room she walks into, people say, that's Emmanuel, and they know who she that, is. And, and so it's for the greater good. His investment is not selfish. It's for the knowledge that through Emmanuel, we will explore you know, the 
the most exciting sexual frontiers available in the softcore pornography genre. And if he doesn't jolt her out of this amnesia, who the fuck will? Emmanuel is very beautiful, but I am sick to death of being told that fact. Like the refrain that you keep talking about, that that musical um, original composition that keeps coming back, it's got lyrics and it just keeps telling you that Emmanuel is beautiful, Emmanuel is sexy, Emmanuel is desirable. It's like, I fucking get it. You yeah. name the movie and after also, you're not You name the franchise you're after You're not Serge her. Gainsbourg. We don't need to hear it from you. We've already heard it as best you can a couple of fucking movies ago. They've got to get the rights. They've got to put that through everything. All Emmanuel should open and close with Serge Gaines. We're going, Emmanuel, 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 Emmanuel. He's not even telling you goodbye. Yeah, about Emmanuel. He's just saying her name and being like, you do the rest. You might like her, you might not, but this is who she is. Music's supposed to be artistic. It's not supposed to be pure exposition because the script didn't do a good enough job. But um, that said, I did enjoy the music nonetheless, which is important to me. I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed the movie. I'm just hoping next time we watch one of these, we can be sitting side saddle. Yeah. Patrol and Boners IRL. I'm going to give this movie... I'm going to give this movie a four out of seven. I'm going to give this movie one turgid penis. Out of how many? One but the sliding scale is flaccid to hard. Oh, boy. Okay. Seems pretty explicit. And on theme. So with that, um, that's Emmanuel Six, a film that exists with two directors, much like From Dusk Till Dawn, except I think that one has three, maybe. A movie we did not watch. Um if you don't already and you would like to support us, you can do so on patreon.com slash T-W-I-O-A-T. And if you do that, then you get access to some bonus content, not least of which is our new weekly series, Killionaire, which we're not really going to talk about on the free stream for fear of Jeff Bezos figuring out what's going on and shutting us down. We've also got a Discord now. If you're giving more than $2 a month, uh, oh, there's an exclusive channel, but there's also just a general free channel um, for everyone to join in. So the link to that is in the show notes. Guy, what's your favorite food? Pasta. See you, everybody. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.